SEC fans, this is John Chris, senior writer for Saturday Down South. Welcome to another installment of the SDS podcast. Coming to you from the iHeartMedia studio, WDAE in Tampa, Florida, 620 AM and 95.3 FM. You can follow me on Twitter at SaturdayJC. Our guest for this episode is SEC Network Analyst Gene Chizik. Our guests know him best as the National Championship winning coach at Auburn in 2010. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Coach Gene Chizik. Coach, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Absolutely, John. Glad to be here to talk a little ball. We're going to talk a lot of ball, absolutely. If you're listening to the podcast, then you know the South loves football, and you know what the South also loves Crystal Burgers. That's right. Crystal, home of the classic Crystal Burger. It's a Saturday Down South sponsor this year, and they are ready to hook you up for your tailgate. First, the classic Crystal, the one you grew up with, the one you loved in college way after midnight. It is still only 79 cents all day, every day, as many as you want, 79 cents each. Crystal is also taking care of our readers and podcast listeners this fall. Text SDS, the letters SDS, to 37793. 37793. And you're going to get two free crystals and a drink. You got free crystals. You've got 79 cent crystals. I guarantee if you show up to your tailgate with a steamer pack of crystals, you're going to be treated like the hero that you are. Stop by your local crystal today. And now Gene Chizik, coach, it sure seems like Alabama and Georgia are just on another level on a collision course for Atlanta the first Saturday in December. Would any other matchup, frankly, be a disappointment at this point? Well, I think you're exactly right, John. I think that, you know, it looks that way. Um, You know, I think, you know, I I do a lot of film evaluation. When I look at these two films, uh, you know, compared to, not just everybody in the SEC, but the film that I watch on other teams. Um, these two teams are the two most dominant teams in the country, in my opinion. And again, I know we'll probably get into this a little bit later, but them being ranked one and two, um, I think is the right. Uh, I think is the right call. I personally uh, feel like Alabama uh, should be number one based on film study that I see, and Georgia be number two. And, that, and I understand there's a lot of other considerations in there. Uh, but if you just take those two in this league, um, I think they're the two premier teams, and I think that anything other than those two being in the SEC championship would be a surprise to everybody. Yeah, I think it would too, and I'm, I'm sure it's less about film study and more about resume at this point when you're in that college football playoff committee room. But you know what? This is Coach Saban we're talking about. Alabama is going to Alabama, but what about this particular Alabama team seems to make it so special? Well, I think that it's a complete team. I think that what you see is is you see uh, a very uh, Nick Saban-ish uh, team that wins the way he's won ever since he's been a head coach. Uh, they're extremely physical on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I think on the perimeter, uh, both offensively and defensively, they're extremely athletic. Um, obviously, they're going to be very well coached. Uh, there's just not a lot of weaknesses, you know, in this team. And then you've got a quarterback who he's got for two more years after this that has been exposed to more big games and, and more pressure just being the quarterback Alabama and thrived on it and actually done well. Uh, he's seen more than probably most 
guys have seen, you know, uh, in a whole career of four years up to this point. He's been, you know, a little over a year and a half the quarterback at Alabama. So uh, I think his experience, uh, I think the uh, level of, of play, uh, you know, in terms of – and you can't look at his statistics and just be wild. What he does is he makes extremely good decisions. Um, he does exactly what every coach wants your quarterback to do. Uh, he, you know, if, if, you know, he's throwing the football down the field. Something's not there. He'll take it and run it. Uh, I think Brian Dable doesn't get enough credit. I think that if you look at what he has done with this Alabama offense statistically, uh, is probably better at this point uh, if you compare it to last year when Lane Kiffin was there. And I think he's done a great job of integrating, you know, both NFL concepts, throwing the football, uh, and and really uh, adapting some college concepts in terms of what Jalen Hurts' ability lets him do running the football with some zone read and some quarterback, you know, some design quarterback run game, which obviously in the NFL you don't do. So, um, but I think offensively they're extremely physical. They can run it. They can throw it. And then defensively, look, you can take pretty much every category that matters on defense and they're going to be tops in the country in it. So that's why, you know, in my opinion, uh, this is the best football team in the country right now. So Alabama LSU is this weekend one of the best rivalries in the SEC. When you were coaching in the league, it was a little more back and forth between these two Titans. But Bama has won, I believe, six straight and really owned them since that rematch in the national title game in 2011. But build me, arrest me for an upset. Find me a way for the Bayou Bengals to win this game. Go. Well, first of all, they're, defensively, they're going to have to continue to thrive on some big plays. I think uh, they're, they're number two in the league in sacks. So they can create some negative plays. They're going to have to be able to get back there and create some disruption. Uh, that's number one. Obviously, the secondary has been playing better. Uh, you know, they're going to have to create some turnovers. There's going to be there's going to have to be some sort of momentum swing um, based on defense creating negative plays. Uh, I think that again, the special teams would have to come into play with DJ Shark you know, hitting a big return, uh, you know, exactly like what happened on the punt return versus Auburn that swung that game, uh, something of, to that effect. Uh, I think that, you know, offensively, you know, they're going to have to protect the football, which they do. They, uh, they, they don't turn the ball over a lot. The problem is that LSU is, is not very good on third downs offensively. Um, they're going to have to convert some third downs. Uh, and then if they get down into the red area, which they have not been good either, they're going to have to come away with touchdowns. And they've been down there 31 times this year, came away with 19 touchdowns, uh, which you need more touchdowns down there. And seven times they came away with nothing. So uh, I think it's going to be great, create huge negative plays on defense with either uh, turnovers, sacks, uh, something that can create some momentum and get the ball back, you know, hit a big punt return, hit a big kickoff return, um, you know, and then again, uh, you know, protect the football and uh, make sure that they're they're not turning the ball over because, as we know, Alabama is extremely uh, extremely diligent in the turnover category. Um, having created a turnover in 35 straight games, I would say that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. So let's spin this to the Bulldogs. When people ask me about Georgia, 
I say that Athens has essentially become Tuscaloosa East. I think that was the plan for Kirby Smart going in, which makes sense as much time as he spent on Coach Saban's staff for over a decade, nine as a D coordinator. But try to compare last year's UGA versus this year's UGA. I just see a different ball club in terms of the eye test. Last year, they let Nickel State hang around for four quarters. They don't put away Vanderbilt, and they lose that game at home in the fourth. This year, they're going for the jugular. I see a killer instinct. I see defenders flying to the football. It looks like crimson and white to me instead of red and black. Well, I will say this, that if you look defensively, uh, they're, it's extremely eerie in terms of the similarities. Uh, I think you're looking at a football team that is, is playing with a lot of swag, a lot of confidence. Um, you know, your first year when you come in and take a program like Kirby did, you know, you're, every, every week is a journey trying to, you know, set a foundation for what and who you want your football team to be. Uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to come in, uh, especially after a guy like Mark Rick, who was loved so much at Georgia, and by the way, did a fantastic job there. It's hard to come in there and change over from the culture that was there with Mark to what Kirby wanted the culture to be. So along with that comes the growing pains of several different things, not just schematically, but, uh, you know, just, uh, again, buying into the system and, and, you know, just the whole, uh, I guess, entirety of trying to change a culture. Well, this year, it, that's done. It's over. They're playing with unbelievable confidence. Um, this football team expects to beat people and beat them badly. Defensively, the front, if you watch them play on film, will remind you exactly of what you see from Alabama. A ton of speed everywhere. Uh, an incredible front seven, starting with a nose guard with John Atkins, playing a zero nose a lot and just absolutely controlling the, the middle of the line of scrimmage. You know, you got Bellamy over there, who's a blur as a pass rusher. Um, you've got, uh, you know, in the secondary, you know, Dominic Sanders at safety and, and uh, Baker at corner with tons of speed. Um, the D-line wins up front. They're just, you know, Lorenzo Carter, just unbelievable outside player with speed. Roquan Smith, there's speed everywhere. It just reminds you exactly of the Alabama defense. Um, when you watch them on film, and then offensively, what can you say? This is a uh, this is a Georgia offensive line that has come light years in terms of where they were last year in a lot of ways and physicality, uh, protecting the quarterback, and then again, they don't have just two backs. People are going to talk about Chubb and Michelle, uh, but what about DeAndre Swift? All of a sudden, this guy comes in now, and he's a third tailback that gives them explosive. Um, depth and is a very physical runner as well who can catch the ball out of the backfield. So, again, Jake Fromm, incredible job by him. He doesn't have to throw it much, um, but he's one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league, uh, and he does exactly what they ask him to do, protect the football, hand it off, and throw it downfield when we need to, and he throws a lot of strikes. So this football team is as solid as any football team in the country. Now, you mentioned Jake Fromm before I had a chance to even bring him up. How exactly is Coach Smart going to massage this quarterback situation? Because it's incredible how quickly we've turned the page on Jacob Eason, the five-star kid from a year ago who was supposed to be the savior of this program. But it turns out that Fromm 
is the savior a year later. But what happens, say, in the Auburn game in a couple of weeks when they go on the planes? What if Fromm is really struggling? What if he throws a pick six? What if he can't find anybody open? Do you dare go to the bullpen at this point? That is a very, very testy situation. Uh, put the coach's headset back on for me. How do you handle this? Well, I, I don't think there's a I don't think there's a quarterback situation there at all. I think it's very clear cut that Fromm is the guy, and uh, they love how he prepares. You know, you can't argue with what he's done productivity wise with the offense. Uh, he is uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt the most efficient guy. Uh, you know, one of the most efficient guys in the league. And, you know, they've won eight games with him. And, again, I don't think that because a guy struggles in a big game, which there will be some struggles when they go to the Plains and play Auburn. It's going to be a knockdown, dragout, old-fashioned, you know, kind of Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali type type brawl. Uh, but, you know, if, if, if Jake struggles, um, you know, I, I don't think there will be any consideration to, to put Eason in there. Again, I think it's very clear cut that Jake from, from has won this job. And, and, look, you dance with who brung you. As, as Bum Phillips used to say. I mean, you know, he's a guy that uh, has, you know, again, won over this locker room uh, as a young, young quarterback. He won, he's won his teammates over. He's won the locker room over. He's won the fan base over. Obviously, he's won the coaches over. Uh, and in my mind, there's, there's absolutely no quarterback issues whatsoever. Now, in the offseason, if they want to keep ease in there, then they'll have to do, you know, uh, some, some massaging of that. Uh, but right now it's very clear to me that Jake Fromm has won this job and it's going to be hard for anybody to take it from him. All right, Coach, let's look a little macro here, especially since we got the first week's college football playoff rankings released right after Halloween. There's lots of conversation, of course, about who's the best league, and we've gotten so used to the SEC being the premier conference in America, but it continues to be more and more top-heavy. A year ago, it was Alabama by its lonesome. This year, it's clearly 1-1A one and one a with the Tide and the Dogs. But can the SEC still truly be the best conference in America if it's this top-heavy? There are still three teams in the East at this point of the season who haven't won a league game yet. Yeah, there's, there's no question. It's definitely top-heavy. And again, I think there's some... There's some transition that, that's, you know, obviously going to take place, and and uh, you know, top to bottom, I don't, I don't think anybody could argue that the league isn't as strong as it used to be. Um, but you still have very, very good football teams that you have to consider. Look, the SEC East is struggling right now. We know that. There's there's issues at a lot of the schools that, you know, ten years ago and twelve years ago were considered, you know, as top contenders, you know, every year for a title. Um, and they're struggling right now, Florida, Tennessee, um, you know, so Georgia's definitely carrying the torch there, but the SEC West still has very good football teams, you know, Mississippi state stumbled a little bit there, but let me tell you, you know, you go into Athens and get beat like you did. Uh, you just got beat by a great football team. So Mississippi state still has an extremely tough, very talented team. You know, their losses come to Auburn and, and Georgia. And, uh, you know, those are, again, those are two stout teams. You look at LSU trying to get back on track, definitely stubbed their toe early in the season and, uh, you know, against Mississippi State and then obviously the debacle against Troy. But, again, they're, they're, they're rebounding. You know they've all got good players, uh, you know, and then, and then Auburn. You know, I mean, Auburn's the only two-loss team that really has a chance to, based on their schedule left, to get back into the mix here in, in, the, in, the, in the final four. So um, it's definitely not – what it used to be in terms of top to bottom strength. And I think that really 
is a product of, of the East being as weak as it is right now. Um, but uh, it's still an extremely talented conference, and uh, I think it's going to you know, continue to get better. You're listening to the Saturday Down South podcast. Our guest is SEC Network analyst Gene Chizik. The SDS podcast is brought to you by Ticket City. College football is here, and there are some magnificent matchups this week in the SEC. Auburn, Texas A&M, Florida, Missouri, South Carolina, Georgia, Ole Miss, Kentucky, and of course the headliner, LSU, Alabama. Now is the time to get your tickets. We've been working with Ticket City for a long time. They are the experts in the business, having served over a million and a half customers. They've been the place to go for almost three decades now. And best of all, Ticket City is offering $20 off for all of our podcast listeners and website readers. All you need to do is go to TicketCity.com, enter the discount code SDS20 at checkout, and you're going to get 20 bucks off the game of your choice. That's TicketCity.com, discount code SDS20. Get off the couch, go to the game, visit Ticket City today. Okay, coach, let's talk less about the league and more about your career and where you are. And before I started covering the SEC, I was actually an NFL guy for the better part of a decade. And I would love to ask you about your relationship today with Cam Newton. Needless to say, he was instrumental in you winning a national title with the Tigers in 2010. He's clearly an incredible talent, one of the best we've ever seen play the game's most important position. He's had some highs, he's had some lows, and right now he's struggling right now. And it's less about the -the on-the-field product it's just sort of about his attitude and his maturity and the way he handles himself off the field, particularly in press conference situations. So, A, I'd love to get a comment from you on that. And, B, again, what your relationship like is like with him these days as a Carolina Panther. Well, Cam and I have always had a very good relationship. And, and one thing that people have to know, you know about Cam is that, you know, he's, he's so competitive. He's, ex- he, he's just such a competitor, and he hates to lose. And – that's part of what makes him, you know, such a, a talented product on the field, just because of his competitive nature. Um, you know, he, he does let some things get to him. There's no question that he could handle himself, you know, in a different manner, and it would be, you know, more appealing to to everybody. Um, you know, when he gets in those real frustrating moments, and and you know what Cam has to realize is that, and, and he does realize it, and, and you know. When he has to field tough questions about himself, his team, things of that nature, that comes with the territory. And Cam's got big shoulders. And, you know, he's got to be able to handle that. And in many instances, I think that, you know, he's got to be able to just, you know, understand his role and, and you know, handle those uh, scenarios better than he does. And at times he lets his emotions uh, and they, he lets his, you know, he, he lets his frustration of maybe a tough season or a tough game get to him um, to the point where, you know, it affects him in press conferences. And sometimes he doesn't handle things, you know, the way the way they need to be handled. Um, but I will say this: he is he is a he was he's a great individual. Um, you know, the stuff that he does off the field that nobody ever knows about with young children and, and things of that nature. Uh, that's who he is. He's got a huge heart. Um, but again, he's, he can't let his emotions and his frustrations play out, you know, in front of everybody. His job as, as the quarterback and the franchise player at 
for the Carolina Panthers is to handle everything, the good and the bad. And he's got to handle that better. And um, I think that he could tell you that, and he knows that. Um, but, uh, you know, again, he, he's just got to handle the tough times and the emotional part of it uh, a, a, little, a little better than he's doing now. Another relationship question I would love to ask is about your relationship with Auburn fans and maybe the other way around, Auburn's fans' relationship with you these days. I mean, let's face it, there's a crystal football at that facility right now that you hand-delivered in 2010, and crazy enough as it sounds, two years later, they asked you to clear out your office. It's just sort of incredible just the way the SEC microscope works. We're now, you know, five or so years removed from that situation. Again, your relationship with Auburn fans, and for the most part, when you interact with them, the way that they treat you these days? Yeah, that, that's a great question, uh, John. And, and I'll be honest with you, uh, it, it's been f- fantastic. You know, I still live here in Auburn. And, um, you know, the Auburn people are great people. And uh, they're just like anybody else. Uh, they, get, uh, they get excited um, with wins, and they get very disappointed with, with losses. And um, I was very proud to, and very honored to be, to be the head coach here. And, and quite frankly, um, winning a national championship, uh, as everybody that's in coaching has found out, is extremely difficult. They just, you know, I've been blessed to be a part of actually two, uh, one at Texas as the D coordinator and then one at Auburn as the head coach, and they're hard to come by. And uh, but the fans have treated me fantastic here. The people in the community have, have handled it fantastic. My, my own children go to, the, to Auburn University. Um, you know, I, I don't like the fact that two years later um, that, you know, uh, I was dismissed. Uh, but I also understand the business, and people have to make tough decisions. You know, I look at uh, Brian Kelly last year won four games. Um, you know, I look at Mark D'Antonio last year won three games. I mean, you know, I, I see Jimbo Fisher struggling right now, and he may win three or four games. And, yeah, I'm a Florida State hope- guy, by the way. Don't remind me. Well, you know, and, and again, I hope that cooler heads prevail and they give these guys a chance to fix it because, you know, certain circumstances, and I know that we definitely had our number of them, you know, in 2012, you know, can, you know they, can, they can really swing a season. And uh, we, we ran into that. I was hoping I had another year to fix it because I know I could have, but uh, that wasn't a choice they made. Uh, no hard feelings. I totally get the profession. And people have to make tough decisions, um, you know. But my relationship with with you know Auburn and the fans, you know, I'm not one of these guys that looks back at all, uh, John, and it's bitter. I have no regrets on anything that has happened in my career, and um, you know, otherwise I wouldn't be living here, and my kids wouldn't be going to school there. So um, I'm just glad that I was able to provide that, and me and so many coaches that worked so hard to do that were able to provide that because. Uh, it could be a long time before, you know, any school goes back and has an opportunity to do that. So, hey, at least I know this. I see a lot of bumper stickers around Auburn that say 2010 national champs, and, and I'm proud to say that I was, a, I was a part of that. I think you should be. I absolutely think you should be. I, of course, have to ask you some coaching questions around the league. There are some very, very hot seats. We talk about it every day in this business. 
but your particular perspective compared to a guy like Butch Jones. I mean, there's a lot of people, frankly, wondering how he's still employed and hasn't been dismissed at this point. But what's it like just going to the office every day when these things are surrounding you and you have these rumors and you have the website stories and you have people commenting on radio and television saying it's your time to go. I know that you can put the blinders on. You can always watch tape. You can always just pay attention to what's happening on the field. But you're a married man. You have children and they're getting snickered at at school or the grocery store. It's got to be incredibly difficult on the loved ones as well. How do you handle that? Because you have experience with it. Yeah, it is. It's extremely difficult. And, and you know, again, what, what's, what's tough is exactly what you mentioned. You know, you have your wife and your children who go to school and, and go to the grocery store every day or whatever their errands are, you know, and they have to take the brunt of it as well. And actually, they take more of the brunt of it because you're isolated, you know, every day in your, in your office watching film and, and you really try to stay focused. And you're the one that signed up for this. They didn't. And that becomes really, really difficult, uh, you know, on your family. And the word I used, uh, you know, on the air the other night was it's become suffocating. And, and it can really it can really feel that way to you, to your to your wife, um, your children. And, and it's a very difficult scenario. And uh, this is where you earn your money as the head coach, because you have to stand up in front of one hundred and twenty five alpha males every day and say, hey, look, guys, let's grind. Because, see, I've told you about mental toughness. I've told you about perseverance. I've told you about, uh, you know, continuing the grind, regardless of your circumstances. And now they're looking at you saying, hey, is this guy, you know, is he, is he walking the walk? Uh, or is he just talking the talk, you know? And so um, it's tough. And, you know, but, again, this is where – you get paid a lot of money. This is what you have to do. And, and again, you got 125 sets of eyes looking at you every day to see how you respond to adverse scenarios. And that's what you get paid to do. So you got to go in there and grind every day and, and uh, get it done until they make a decision on what they want to do. Now, Florida handed a pink slip to Jim McElwain just this week. We've talked about it ad nauseum. This is a guy who, two years on the job, went to the SEC title game twice. I know that there's been some failures on the field and some some clashes with the administration and what have you, but just very, very bluntly with the environment that the SEC is right now, why would a coach want one of these jobs? With the amount of heat that you take and the amount of scorn and the amount of scrutiny from the fan base, yes, you're incredibly well paid. Yes, the successes are incredible and the platform is unmatched, but you know what? You can get paid pretty well in the ACC and the Pac-12 and other places and just not have to deal with this type of scrutiny. Why would a coach want one of these jobs? Well, I think that every coach that is going to be in a position to to accept one of these jobs believes that he can get it done first. I mean, I don't think they look at the negative. I think they look at, you know, uh, what is, you know, obviously they're, they're in that position because they've had success other places. So they don't ever go into those jobs thinking, you know, well, do, do I really want to face all the scrutiny? They go in there thinking, hey, you know what? I got it done at school A, B, or C. I'll get it done here. And so I don't think they look at it through, the, through those lenses. And, and so, um, and plus they understand that this is the most, um, this is the most glamorous league in the country when it comes to fan base, when it comes to facilities. Um, it, it is, it sets the bar and being in this league is incredible. And, you know, you can sit back and when you're at other schools and watch this league on TV 
and no matter where you go, you're looking at a venue that's going to have, you know, 80, 90, 100,000 people there every single week. And that's intriguing to coaches. And that's what you coach for. You want to coach to be at the highest level um, and being able to win at the highest level. That's why you get into it. And these coaches are competitive. So they, they don't see it that way. But what comes with that is you better win and you better win fast. And if you don't, then obviously, you know, you could end up like, you know, myself winning a national championship and, you know, have a bad season two years later, you're out. Or Jim McElwain, who, you know, played for two SEC championships and then halfway through the season, he's out. That just goes with the territory. But guess what? You know, you're a big boy when you take these jobs and you know that's what comes with it. Coach, this is my last question for you. You and I have not actually met in person yet, but I remember about a year ago, uh, I was actually near you in the Atlanta airport. I was flying on assignment for something, and you were just there waiting in a line to get some food with your family. And this was at the time where you had walked away from coaching for a little bit because you needed just to kind of be a family man again. And that is an incredibly rare opportunity in this business because we all talk about what it's like to be in the coaching profession. And you start off making no money as a GA and you do two years here and one year there and three years there. And then eventually you get an opportunity to have one of these amazing seven-figure jobs at a big-time program. But the amount of work that goes ahead of that, you have to sacrifice an awful lot of things in terms of your marriage, in terms of your children. And you can't go to all the games and you can't attend all the PTA meetings. And I want to know what that experience was like for you because there might have been a time in your career where you wondered if you would ever have that opportunity to just be dad? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, John. Yeah, um, you know, I'm I'm just in a phenomenal position because you know I can make choices, and and one of my choices um, was exactly what you said. Last March, um, I decided to to walk away from football. You know, I had seen my son, who's a junior in high school. I'd seen my son play two football games in two years, John, and, and two baseball games in two years. And I just reflected back on that. And, and as I looked at it, you know, uh, I just said, that's not okay with me right now. That's not, that's not something I want to look back on, you know, when I'm 65 years old and say, you know, why did I do that? You know, and I, and I have the, I have the ability right now to, to be able to, to walk away. Um, and, and, you know, retire forever if I want to, or go back in two, three years if I want to. Um, but I, that was for my family. It was for my son. It was for my wife. My daughters are at Auburn University. And so, you know, now I'm living the dream because I, I'm, I'm doing TV and, and doing some radio. I love every bit of it. I'm able to literally eat, eat lunch and eat dinner with my daughters whenever I want. My wife and I hang out all day together. I haven't missed one of my son's baseball games. Um, I go to see his practices all the time, haven't missed a football game. And, and I know that when he's done with high school, I will look back on this and say it was the best decision I ever made. So at some point for anybody um, who has an option to just kind of drop everything and drop the anchor and keep that boat from sailing, because that boat, once it sails with the grind of the season and the 18-hour days and the recruiting that never ends, once it sails, it's hard to stop it. And I just said, you know what? Uh, after we played Stanford in the bowl game last year uh, at Carolina, I just said, you know what? Enough is enough. And, and I got to go home and be a family man and, and be a husband and a father. 
and try to be the best one of those I can be. Um, and uh, that's what I'm doing right now and just kind of living the dream. And, it, and let me tell you something, no regrets, and it's been a blast, and I wouldn't change it. Coach, thank you so much for joining me. You really do a sensational job on television. I hope we can do this again soon. Great, John. Thank you, my man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. That was SEC Network analyst Gene Chizik. Remember to follow him on Twitter, at Coach Gene Chizik. And thank you for listening to the Saturday Down South podcast. Special thanks to our friends at WDAE in Tampa, as well as our sponsors, Crystal and Ticket City. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe on iTunes or wherever your favorite podcast can be found. Be sure to give the show a rating as well. My name is John Christ, and for all SEC all the time, visit SaturdayDownSouth.com.